Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by my Thunder buddy, Joe Masato. Joe, how are you doing today? Doing good, Michael. Um, season is, is sort of winding down. The standings are still jumbled. This is kind of a fun time of year. Yeah, highly competitive. A lot of games that are super important, especially the last two for the Thunder, where they win back-to-back games over the New Orleans Pelicans and the San Antonio Spurs, both on the road. I just wanted to ask you, what did you learn overall from this two-game road win streak? Uh, or you could even go back to the homestand. Yeah, well, just just those last two road games, um, you know, they, they took care of business. I, I thought the win over the Pelicans, we talked about how important that was going to be um, just for, for the standings with New Orleans and Oklahoma City sort of deadlocked there. And then no Ingram, obviously no, no Zion. And I thought the Thunder just like, took care of business and clearly was, was the better team in that one. Um, man, I, I don't know what you thought, but just like watching the Pelicans without those two guys, even though CJ was still out there, there was just like, and Alvarado was also out. There was just no shot creation. There was no, there, there was just no spark to their offense. And I thought the Thunder played really, really good defense, but I thought the Pels couldn't get anything going offensively. Um, but all in all, first night of a back-to-back, that was a really big road win. Yeah, they had nobody to create any shots for those guys. It was very, very obvious. It kind of looked like a high school team at points where it's just passing around the perimeter. But at the same yeah. time, the Thunder are going to take that. And they played really well in their own right. Um, my biggest takeaway was just Mark playing uh, the quote-unquote, we aren't messing around with development, we're trying to win rotation with different guys. I mean, they played Wiggins two minutes, nine minutes for Jang, but overall the big glut of minutes were 37 minutes for Shea, 37 minutes for J-Dub, 38 for Lou Dor, and 33 for Josh Giddy. Just, you could tell in games like that. And then a couple others that stood out to me were um, the Lakers game and LeBron's record night that you were there for and the Warriors game at home a few weeks ago, where you could just kind of tell the Mark's coaching a little bit differently, or am I looking at things diff- uh, maybe incorrectly? No, I I don't know because it's kind of weird. Like I think you're right, but also they've threaded this needle perfectly of you know playing a guy like Guzman Jang who has played well in these last couple of games. I I mean had a you know career game in San Antonio both in scoring, rebounding. Thought he really played with force, which has been kind of lacking in his game and that, that's not picking on him. That's just like all rookies um, who kind of you know don't know what the heck is 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 going on when they get to the NBA, um, but like that's the one thing that makes me pause a little bit because I do think for the most part the Thunder is playing their best lineups. I don't think Jang is you know w- would be in that rotation if the play in was tomorrow and the Thunder had to win a game. I don't think Jang would be in the rotation, but as of now they found a way in which they're both winning games, aiding their play in push while developing a guy like Usman Jang, which I think is um, is, is kind of fascinating. Now, on the other hand, you know, kind of more to what you're speaking to, Trey Mann hasn't been playing well. He's not playing. Jeremiah Robinson Earl got off to a really bad start coming back from that ankle injury. He's not playing. So that kind of makes me agree with you in that, like, you know, Dagnall is, is riding the guys that, that are playing the best right now. And Jang is kind of in this like in between tier, right? Where, you know, 19 year old rookie, 
you, you want to get them you want to get a minutes out there, but you're also putting them on the floor with other really competent players to where it's just not going to sink when he's out there. Yeah, it just kind of insulates him. And he's yeah. not like Poku where the mistakes are extremely loud. If anything, Jang sides on more uh, towards things where he's less impactful or kind of just floats a little bit more than Poku does. So I think that's a little bit easier whenever you're surrounding him with good players like that. I think he just has a knack for fitting in a little bit more. But I'm right with you. He's um, fit in and been effective in his minutes and not cost a team. But at the same time, Mark has been able to get him those important minutes that he's going to need for uh, his future career. Yeah, and you you mentioned Poku, like still no timeline on him. I think, you know, not... um. I'm just using logic here. The the closer we get to the end of the season, the less likely it becomes that Poku is going to return. But, you know, if he was healthy, I'd be really curious to see how they would use him, you know, right now. I, I mean, when he's ready to play, he's going to come back with the blue first um, and play a couple of games with them before playing with the Thunder. Um, but um, it's, yeah, it's the, the, the Jay experience has been um, a fun one to follow just because. He's a, uh, he's not like throwing a, he's just like a curveball, you know, in, in which you, you want to, you want to give him minutes out there. Um, and heck, I think it's probably benefiting him. Like when Poku was playing a couple of years ago, like there was no stakes at all. He was out there with other guys who weren't going to be in the NBA long term. And Jang is like playing in important basketball games with, you know, the best players on his team. So it's kind of like different developmental tracks. Not saying one's better than the other. Obviously, like if Jang, if you could go back in time and give him Poku's role, like he'd probably put up bigger numbers. He'd have more responsibility throwing him into the fire. But um, kind of interesting to see, you know, like which track might help these guys get adjusted to the NBA quicker. Yeah, both guys came into the league extremely young. And what you want to do is just plug in those guys with as many minutes as possible to get them more experience because it both coming in, I think both at 19 is just incredible and uh poku especially didn't come in playing in the best league jang played in a little bit better league in uh the nbl but still it's been very impressive and uh very cool to see them get those minutes where you see a lot of rookies now who like um trying to think uh johnny davis who can't even get minutes with the wizards but it's nice that the thunder are in a position where they're pushing for this play in or playoff spot and they're able to get one of their lottery picks minutes not even counting j-dub yeah, to, I I think you nailed it, and um, yeah, it, it's the again, it's the best of, uh, best of both worlds for the Thunder right now. Still being able to develop a guy like Jang, not saying hey, we're going to park the eleventh pick on our bench because we're going to go for the play in. Not that they're stating that's a goal, um, but it's more so like yeah, we're going to keep playing this guy and we're going to keep winning basketball games, which is um, you know, best case scenario right now. Yes, it is. Well, we're going to transition to the wild, wild west and all the standings here. Joe, currently the seven seed uh, Minnesota Timberwolves and the 12 seed Utah Jazz are only um, separated by a total of two games. The Thunder currently sit at 11 tied with New Orleans and the Lakers. And I just wanted to give a preview to all the people listening to some of the other games around the Thunder that, you know, you could watch if you're your standings watching looking at the Thunder, hopefully, that they make the play-in. So tonight, you have Lakers at Pelicans. That's going to be a big one. If the Thunder win tonight, they will be tied for the eighth seed with the Mavericks and the winner of Lakers-Pelicans, and then you'll also have Knicks at Blazers tonight. 
And then on Wednesday, Lakers at Rockets, second night of a back-to-back. The Rockets, you know, are a dumpster fire, but they just did beat the Celtics last night. So wouldn't put it past them to beat a Lakers team that's known to kind of play down to their opponent. And then you have Celtics at Wolves on Wednesday, Mavs at Spurs on Wednesday, and Warriors at Clippers. Nothing on Thursday other than Thunder at the Raptors. Are there any games that stand out to you that um, you think are important or you're going to keep your eyes on? Yes. So... Lakers Pelicans is obviously huge. I mean, right now, those two teams, along with the Thunder, are all tied at 33 and 35. The Pels hold the tiebreaker over the Thunder because of the the season series three to one. That was the Thunder's first win over the Pelicans was the other night. Um, you said Trailblazers Knicks. Like Blazers are, I think it's fair to say, like in, in must win territory at this point. They're just on a free fall. They've lost three in a row. And you look at this jumbled, bumbled mess, and one game separates, you know, Dallas and Utah, say. I mean, you can you can draw the lines wherever you want. But then like Portland's a game and a half back of Utah. So they're in um they're in thirteenth place by a good margin. Um vibes seem to be trending southward. Um and it's kind of a shame just given how good Dame has has been this season. But yeah, Portland is the one that I'm most worried of, that I would be most worried about if I was a, a Trailblazers fan. The Jazz, I really don't think they're a factor in, in this. I, I know they've like kept their head above water a little bit, but just some of the lineups they put out there, I think they're trending toward lottery territory, which really comes down to, you know, the Thunder. Pelicans, Lakers, if you want to throw the Mavericks in there, I'm I won't say don't do that. I mean, all those teams are separated by either tied or separated by a half game. So yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it could be in a different direction next week, but I think we're seeing teams separate themselves a little bit right now. Or you, you see a team like Portland separate themselves in the wrong way. Yeah, I was just about to mention that you're seeing some separation from teams and you're seeing some teams tail off, and I think this is really good for the Thunder to be in this race. Um, but I'm with you. I think that the Lakers and New Orleans are probably the two teams that you're looking at maybe to fall out. Probably New Orleans more than any just with their health concerns. But Dallas is a wild card with Kyrie's constant injuries, and Luka's been out. I think they're 2-0 and with Kyrie by himself, 3-6 and with both those guys since the trade, and 0-1 and with just Luka. So it's been a very weird transition for those guys. Christian Wood has been giving them inconsistent minutes. Jason Kidd's been pretty upset about that, but we'll see how it goes. Um, let's transition. I wanted to get your um, get a temperature check on your confidence about the Thunder making the postseason of the play-in or anything in between. A little over a week ago, we talked about an upcoming homestand that the Thunder would be um, in, and we felt that we'd have a much clearer vision of where this team would end up by the end of the season. With 16 games left after that homestand and those two road games, how are you feeling about the Thunder's chances to make the play-in? We could do this, you know, out of five, out of a percentage of 100. Just how are you feeling about uh, the likelihood that they make the postseason? Well, I feel strongly in my lack of confidence of not knowing what the heck is going to happen. But... Michael, I will I will play along. I I don't know. I mean, I I've definitely gone back and forth. Um but right now, I think it is more likely than not. I'm going to give the Thunder. We're we're just talking playing, right? Yes. 
I'm going to give the the Oklahoma City Thunder a 57% chance of making the play-in. I like it. Math majors. I, right I wish I had like I wish I had like uh, the equation in which I came up with that number, but it doesn't exist. So I'm just going to throw out 57. Honestly, um, honestly wh- I'm bad at you? math. If you had a whiteboard up there, I would have totally believed you. It's like, oh wow, Joe's been up all night working on this. <laughs> I've been scrambling, man. Yeah, just doing the doing the doing math. I I, I suck at math, so yeah, I'll never um, use a calculator. I have this entire whiteboard, just walls. Which, yeah, yeah um, I'm with you. I actually had 60-40. I'm feeling pretty confident about it. I'm with you. Um, we know that we don't know what we're talking about whenever it comes to the Thunder making the play-in or not just because of how volatile the West has been and how different it's been. But I'm, I'm feeling um, more confident than not, just like you, that the Thunder will make the play-in. But at the same time, there's definitely some questions and concerns we both have. What are your biggest questions and concerns for the Thunder as they try to continue to push for this play-in? It's weird because I don't really... I mean, just to back up a little bit, and I think I'm going to write about this soon, but the weird part of this situation is we've talked about the Thunder like it's on the outside looking in, and it is a lot when when you look at the standings but at the same time like the thunder has a plus 1.5 point differential that's better than every single team we've talked about that's in this competition better than the blazers the jazz the pelicans the lakers even the mavericks even the timberwolves even the clippers even the warriors the thunder has a better point differential than the warriors and my point is since about not not about since January 1st, just to draw a nice clean line there. The Thunder has basically been a top 10 team in the NBA. Um, they've been one of four teams that has been top uh, over the course of the season. They've been one of four teams that's top 12 in both offense and defense, which really speaks um, to, to their balance and, you know, just hovering around where they were pre-injury last year defensively. But offensively, it's a huge jump. And I'm saying these things because it's like, I think if the Thunder's healthy, they're going to make it just because the underlying numbers point to them being a better team than the Pelicans, than the Lakers, um, than the Jazz. And I know things have tr- things have changed. Injuries can happen. Rosters have been altered since then. Um, but I feel pretty confident in, in a fully healthy Thunder. So I guess that brings me to my only concern. Um, you know, the through two back-to-backs, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has set, sat on the second end of those back-to-backs. I I don't know what the plan is for the rest of the season with him. I, I mean, they only have a couple of back-to-backs left, so that's two games, but they just won one of them that, that he just sat at the Spurs. So I, I guess that would be the only thing. Um, I, I also, like, that's my only concern. But that doesn't mean like that's the only thing standing in their way. Like they still might not make it. But I I would say like Shea's abdominal strain flaring up or, you know, X injury happening to X player that we just don't see coming. Yeah, they have two more back to backs for the rest of the season. One is with the um, Clippers and then the Lakers. So that's a back to back in L.A. It's three games and four nights all in L.A. And then another one, they have um, a back to back at home against the Hornets and then the Pistons. But I'm with you. I have some of the same concerns. 
Um, you know, Shea in his abdominal injury, it's obviously a very serious thing. He looked like he was in a lot of pain against New Orleans. I don't know if you saw that play where he landed on his back, but that's one yeah. of my my bigger concerns or questions about this is his health, just because we know he's already sitting back to backs, but is this something that continues to flare up? We know that this is an injury that would usually be treated just by time. So I do have some concerns of like, you know, knock on wood, this just happens at the wrong time. And it really, um, I don't know, tailspins the rest of the season. Yeah, obviously, I don't know how Shea's feeling, but I, I just wonder if we're at the point in the year where adrenaline kind of kicks in, like he's trying to lead his team to the play in. He's well on pace to make all NBA like he's having the best season of his career and he can also look at the calendar and see that the end is somewhat near and that rest days are are coming barring a long playoff run um so yeah i i don't i don't know i mean it might be he it's always hard to tell with shay cuz he always looks like he's in a lot of pain or like he'll he'll stay down for an extra beat and and we've talked about you know him you know sitting down or standing up at the press conference table and it looks like it ages him about 65 years um but like I, I think he definitely is going through something if he wasn't then he would be demanding that he play every single game uh, but right now he's managed it well and I know it's a small sample but good lord the the two games uh he's played those front end of the back-to-backs he's been he's been old Shay and 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 been doing great so um but yeah, that's that's the obvious concern, I think, if you're looking at it. I'm gonna throw out a stupid observation at you and you can just tell me if it's a dumb I, idea I love I love stupid observations. That's that's a great way to qualify <laughs> your ideas is you just go, Hey, this is an incredibly dumb idea. Let me throw this out to you. And yeah, no way this backfires. But with Shay playing only in the first night of back to backs to me, and I tweeted this out, it looks like he is going extra hard knowing he's gonna have those extra days off. And it feels like he's playing extra minutes than he normally would and just playing at a different level of intensity than he did earlier this season. I don't know, like he's just trying to squeeze every drop out of the the fruit or wherever it is for that one game because he knows that he's not going to be able to play for the next upcoming couple of days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like a like a pitcher on a pitch count like you're you're going to throw your hardest with what you're given and then you're going to come out and that's going to be it. So the thing about like Dagnall has changed the rotations, but Shea's minutes have stayed pretty steady. He's just playing in briefer spurts, but he's he's still logging around the same total minutes. Um, so yeah, that that might be part of it. I mean, heck, you said it was a stupid observation. This is this is what this whole this whole job is about: us throwing out observations, and some of them are, uh, you know. I guess most all of them are stupid, but we're just hoping something sticks. They can't all be winners. No, they can't all be winners. And the last uh, question that I had about the Thunder going into the play-in towards the end of the season is um, just who's your closing five? Because I think it's very obvious that you want to have Shea, Giddy, J-Dub, and Dort out there. J-Will has been really good recently, but I just wonder at what point does his shooting start to tail off? Because it's not like he's been doing this for the whole course of the season he has a large sample size but it's only been the last couple of months when the thunder and playing really well so i wonder for him is that something in these high pressure games that continues or is it something that kind of tails off but 
the play in the playoffs a lot are about just who's your best five, who are you getting out there when you need to get a stop or you need to win a game, and I'm not sure who that is for the Thunder at this point with injuries to guys like Chet, Kenrich, and others. So Shea, Giddy, J-Dub, and Dort sounds like we're sounds like the the top four are pretty we we have we've reached a consensus on them, right? Yes. Hmm. The the easy answer to me would have been Kenrich Williams because he's played that small ball five and you can get away with that. Part of me wants to say go crazy and don't care about matchups and throw out Isaiah Joe just to just to give you some more shooting out there. Um and you you, you hope that's a uh, that's a friendly matchup in inside, whether it's basically Josh Giddy guarding the opposing five or or J dub or 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 whatever. Um but if if you need a big body out there, I mean I really don't know who to say other than Jay Will at this point. I mean, Jeremiah is really not playing um, and not playing well. Like Wiggins would be an option in kind of that like pseudo Kenrich role in which like maybe he can play up a little bit. Um, it's not going to be Jang. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Like if you, if you need a, I'm trying to think of like a like a matchup, but if you if you have to have a big out there, maybe Jay will. But I think back to like, what if it's the Timberwolves, and think back to that first matchup where they started Kenrich at the five against the towers of Gobert and Towns, and everyone was like, "What the heck is going on?" I could see them doing something like that again, and just like not worrying about um, Gobert offensively and then defensively trying to stretch him out and make him guard someone on the perimeter who can potentially blow by him. So I could definitely see them like zagging or zigging, depending on if the other team is zigging or zagging. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're not going to guard those guys like the Timberwolves with big on big. So why not just zag and go the complete opposite way and make it where they have to play a little bit more of your game. Maybe it backfires, but I think it's going to be interesting. Maybe Poku's the silver bullet as the fifth starter, even though we don't Ooh, know if he's going to play. That's bold. That, that's Wait, bold. so who's your who's your answer? Um, I, I'm with you. I think that it's either... So there are three options. There's Joe, Wiggins, and Jay Will. And I think a lot of it is just matchup dependent, but I like the idea that you were talking about just leaning into being... Um, smaller, quicker, faster, and maybe just throwing Isaiah Joe out there because these are going to be your core guys. So let's see what happens. But I'm sure Mark will come up with the best answer possible. But if you're going to make me choose, I guess Jay will just for the most versatility. But I, I do like the idea of Wiggins out there too, if you can find uh, some good matchups for J-Dub to guard him. But it, at the same time, if you're playing the Lakers, you can't throw J-Dub out and Josh Giddy both to guard Anthony Davis and LeBron, even if J-Dub did that recently. I don't know if he's going to guard Anthony Davis. Yeah, it is it is just crazy. I mean, part of it is like out of necessity, but how we talk about J-Will, he went from like this like fun story who really wasn't even playing at the beginning of the year to, you know, he's he's become a legitimate player for them and and really encouraging, especially given he's still a rookie. 
and he was a second round pick and now leads the NBA in charges despite playing like far fewer minutes than the rest of the guys atop of that list. So it's it's uh, just kind of a wild turn of events. I was looking at the responses to that on Twitter whenever the stat came out for like ESPN and um it's you could tell who the Thunder fans were and who weren't just by the responses because you saw Thunder fans were like, I love this guy. This is hilarious. And then other people, it's like, this is ruining basketball. This is terrible. Taking charges think, like this. I, I think it's worse in college, right? Yeah. Like anytime you watch college basketball, I mean, just throw your hands up trying to guess if they're going to call a block or a charge like college basketball officiating leaves a little to be desired a lot of times. And like, they get so charge happy NBA, I think does a better job at it. And, um, Jay will, the thing about him, he has such a good sense of where that restricted area is and making sure that his heels are just outside of it. Um, and just like the, the timing of it, like he's, he's a professional. And I bet that like the referees know that they know his tendencies coming into the game. And um, if you know that's a guy's specialty and he does it, you're probably going to like, ah, that guy knows what he's doing. It's like uh, not to throw out another baseball um, analogy, but it's like a guy who has a really good eye at the plate. And it's like, oh, he didn't swing at that. It must have been a ball. So it's kind of how I view Jay Will in charges. Yeah, you get the benefit of the doubt. But Jay Will has been really good. Uh, did you see the thing that Josh said on Twitter about the charges? And he said that he does that in practice, too. <laughs> If if my teammate did that in practice, I would I would take the ball and and throw it at his head. Um, that's uh, it's got to get old, right? I mean, you're just going through practice, and Jay Will's out there booming on people when he makes a three, and then taking charges the other way. I actually want to see I want to see some proof of that because yes, they do practice. I don't know you know, the intensity of these practices. So I'm just kind of like picturing Jay will like, you know, just taking a charge, even in like low just layup situations. Just yeah. Inserts himself <laughs> in there. He's like, yeah, he's watching the guards go through a layup line and he's just like slipping in and, and taking a charge. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but the Thunder have had a lot of guys who can take charges. I mean, you've wrote that whole piece about Ken Rich, Isaiah Joe, Jay will, but the Thunder are no stranger to that with guys like um, Nick Collison, as we're going to get into some Thunder legacy night. Um, what was your overall thinking? Because I know you talked to a lot of former players from those initial Thunder teams. Yeah, so um, everyone can go back and, and read that. It's been a been a little while now, but I haven't been on the pod. So um, basically, the, the Thunder started the Thunder Legacy Network. They were going to do it in the 2019-20 season, have those guys back. Obviously, that was COVID interrupted. And uh, so really, and and last year, or the year after that, there was no fans in the arena. So so last year was really the first time all those guys were able to come back and be honored. They did it again this year. Um, a lot of the same players were back, but it, it's kind of a cool thing. I, I talked to Malik Rose, who he barely played here, but he, he, was, a, he was a member of that 2008 09 team and he he knows how the NBA works. He he has a role in the uh in the league office. Um I think has to do with like G League operations or or something to that degree. But he said that San Antonio and Oklahoma City are the only two teams in the league who do anything like this. And it's basically for guys like Malik Rose or 
Stephen Hill. It's okay if you don't know that name. I didn't before last year. He played one game for the Thunder in the 08-09 season. Big center from Arkansas. Boy, they love centers from Arkansas. Um, it's it's guys like, you know, I hope I'm not giving away any answers in, in the upcoming game, but it's uh, for guys like Daquan Cook or Lazar Hayward to find, you know, journeyman guys who moved around a little um, to, you know what, Oklahoma City, if you suit it up here for one second, this can be your NBA home. You can come back once every year. And there are actually like perks in addition to um, meeting up with friends and old teammates and bringing your family to the game and and uh, staying at the Omni across the street. They they put these guys through health screenings and um, do a community event. So it, it's kind of a cool thing. Um, the Thunder is so young and it's in its history that like some guys are still playing from that inaugural team, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Jeff Green. Um, but as we get further and further removed, um, it would be pretty cool if, you know, th- those guys might be a reach as of now, but like you're going to be seeing more and more guys come back as, as the history book gets a little thicker with this organization. Who is the most surprising person you saw there to return? Oh, the most surprising. I I think it was probably Nanad Kerstich. And he I actually talked to him last year at this event. So it might not be too surprising that he was back. But he lives in Serbia. And like he's come back now two years in a row for for this event. And um you know, I've obviously beloved on those on those early Thunder teams before the the trade to Boston, in which Kendrick Perkins became the new man down low. Um, but Kerstich, you know, played played with the Nets. I think that's probably where his best days came. Um, but he identifies as a member of the Thunder, and that's kind of uh, what this what this weekend is is all about. Um, for them. I don't, I don't want to speak for them, but the way I understand it, that's kind of how it happened. So Kerstich, I was just surprised he came back back to back seasons from across the globe. Yeah. I saw him in pregame. Um, I was walking through the tunnel and a cheerleader was behind me and she was like, who's that tall guy? Like, okay, well he can hear us. First of all, we're not going to talk about he's this. A, he, he's still pretty, uh, he's pretty fit, man. Yeah. Like I, I, I know he, uh, was dealing with some knee injuries and, and uh, couldn't couldn't run up run up and down the floor these days, but but he is a he he's a guy where like you should your first guess should be that he's a former player. Yeah, I saw him and then a bunch of other former players before the game talking with uh, Sam Presti, and he looked like the college tour guide telling everybody where to go and all the different events going on. So that was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably how he felt as well on that weekend. So. Yeah, I think my most surprising was um, Raymond Felton. Anytime we get to honor Raymond Felton, that's what I'm going to do. So I was very excited to see uh, him there. Um, you know, you and I have been around Oklahoma City for a very, very long time, grown up here and things like that. So what are your first initial thoughts or uh, re- memories, rather, of the Thunder? Well, I mean, I just remember as a kid going to those going to a few of those Hornets games and just like the excitement around that. So I think just the initial arrival in in 2008 and just, you know, not only the guys on that team, but 
it's like the Lakers are really going to come play in Oklahoma City. The Celtics are going to come play in Oklahoma City. Like, this is crazy. Um, and LeBron coming through and all, just all these big names. I, I think the excitement that that brought that to some degree still hasn't quite worn off. I, I think a lot of, uh, you know, it's still a still a young fan base by NBA standards and new franchise. And, and it's still kind of cool, cool to think about that kind of, you know, you get used to it after a little while, but that's, that's what first um, so, sort of hit me in those early days. Yeah. I remember being in like middle school, elementary school and going to a Hornets game. A friend took me and I had never been to an NBA game, even though I love the NBA because I thought it was like something crazy where only millionaires got to go or something stupid like that. <laughs> but getting to go first Hornets game was a win against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And that was um, lucky enough to go to that uh, famous Valentine's Day game with the red Ooh. jerseys. And then I remember going to the first ever Thunder game against the Milwaukee Bucks, which um, you talk about traveling from across the world. I remember my uncle came over from the Philippines where he lives there as a missionary to come to that game. And I remember wow. walking around the arena and they had like Xboxes that you could play 2K on and different things like that. But I remember that that first initial Thunder game where Richard Jefferson and Michael Red beat the brakes off the Thunder, where they tried to force that first shot to Kevin Durant for about three minutes until Earl Watson finally made one. But very, very I was good a big times. Michael Red. I was a big Michael Red guy. Really? Tell me, tell me more about your love for Michael <laughs> Red. Well, uh, me, me, and uh, me and one of my buddies, we used to always uh, just to to turn it back to two K. Not using the Bucks at the time with Michael Red. But we played a lot of all-time teams against all-time teams, and there's there's better options on the all-time Bucks, like you know Kareem down there. But man, Michael Red, him in the open floor, I I just I could press all the right buttons with the Michael. That's what it's all about. But we're gonna get into <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're gonna get into an OG Thunder draft. We're both gonna draft five players who played for the Thunder in the first ten seasons of the franchise, snake style draft. So anyone from the 08, 09, first season to 17, 18. So nobody is eligible who joined after the OK3 season. So nobody who played, uh, who joined during uh, the season where they played against Portland. Are you ready for this draft? Yes. And just to give people more of a preview, in case they're completely confused. Oh, I didn't mention a couple of things. You're right. <laughs> we're We're going, at least I'm going, obscure. We're not going best players. We're not going most well-known players. My my thinking on this was when I'm looking back through the old rosters, it's like it's like if you're if you're talking with a buddy and it's like remember remember this guy, like that's that's what my 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 team is a whole bunch of remember this guys. I appreciate that. Yeah, and um, part of that is that off the board are Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and James Harden, and when you're drafting these guys. It's you're getting the Thunder version of them. So that's very obscure here. Norris Cole. You're getting the Thunder Norris Cole. You're not getting the Miami Heat um Heatles Norris Cole. Are we ready to go here? I, uh, all of Norris Cole's Thunder production. Um yes, we are ready, although I I'm uh let's just say I'm not I'm not going out to build a winning product, but I hope I win nonetheless. All right, well I'm gonna use my phone to flip a coin here. Would you like heads or tails? Wow, this is the most new age thing I've ever been a part of. I'll say tails. Hey Siri, flip a coin. It is tails. 
you will have the first Ooh. pick, and then I will have the next two, and we'll go back and forth after that. There's a lot um, of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. I was kind of hoping not to have the first pick because it's like everything's a reach, but nothing's a reach. Michael, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going with Karan Butler. Ooh, as my as my as my number one pick, and I'll tell you why. Karan Butler was one of those guys, you know, knew him from those Wizards team teams, and you know the the Thunder's obviously getting him on the back end of his career. But one of those pieces where you're like, wow, Karan Butler is just like anytime I could think of a guy like in a Thunder uniform, like. Karan Butler is wearing a Thunder uniform right now and was was kind of like a, a bigger name than maybe he actually was um, at, at the time. I will uh, I'll pull up his Thunder numbers. He played all of this is even lower than I remember. This is how my my brain has been warped. He played 22 games for the Oklahoma City Thunder, all of 22 games in the 2013-14 season, averaged 9.7 points. Um Michael, he shot it well, 44%. We're, we're 44% from three, 40, 41% from the from the field. So his uh his two-point percentage was 37%. Um, we're getting too deep in the weeds here. I'm going Karan Butler, um, two-time all-star, 2011 NBA champion. Um just a I I uh I talked to him for a story a couple of years ago, really kind with this time. Is on a current NBA. Is he with the Heat? He's on an yes. NBA coaching staff. But yeah, I uh, I'm going with Karan Butler. Also had the really cool uh, three phone celebration where he he hit a three and act like he was dialing it up from deep. That's I'm, right. I'm going to take another three point shooter. I'm going with Alex Abrinas as one of my obscure picks, and because I have back to back picks, I will take a guy who I have um, propensity for, Eric Maynard on the. The staff Ooh. early. Love Eric Maynard. Eric Maynard was on my list. He's like the best half-court shooter I've ever seen. Into the quarter, guys are just going to sit on it these days. Eric Maynard, I always thought it was going in when he would release it. Um, do you have another pick? Uh, yeah, I went Abrinas and Eric Maynard. So oh, yeah. So you went back to you. No, you're good. Um, Those are good picks. Yeah, Eric Maynard on on the Thunder staff right now. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with another shooter. I'm going to go with Kevin Martin, one of the most iconic jump shots that um, I, I guess not iconic to a general NBA fan, but to us sickos, everyone knows what Kevin Martin's jump shot looks like. Could really score. Obviously, a return from Houston in in the James Harden trade. Really good player. Um, I'm picking another first year Thunder. So now, now I've picked two guys who have combined played about a season with the team. Um, he played 77 games in the 2012, 13 season average, 14 points shot, 43% bombs away, bombs away on my team. We are, we are, it, it's a shame. I can't pick Isaiah Joe. He joined the Thunder too late, but we're building a team of snipers. I, I can tell what your next pick is probably going to be, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I guess. But, you know, I've already got my point guard, my two guard. I'm going to need some front court depth here. Even if it's going to be obscure, I'm going to build a natural team here. I'm going with Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff from the very first Thunder team. 
That's a good pick. That's a that's a very good pick. Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff has aged so well, by the way. Like the way he gets up for dunks, even at this ripe old age, it's it's impressive. I like Jeff Green a lot. All right, back to you. Who do you who do you have here with your your third pick? Um, I feel like I need to do some catching up as far as names because uh you're gonna be you're gonna be ahead by uh Thunder fans with Abrinus and um Jeff Green. So I might have to I might have to go off my board to a place I wasn't going to go. I need a I need a big man down low. Um Steven Adams is is eligible for this list, right? Yes he is. I'm going Steven Adams, and I know we we did the cutoff of you know not not the biggest names Russ, KD, PG, Harden, but Steven Adams is that next biggest name arguably. Uh, maybe there's another out there I'm thinking of, but I'm I'm going to go Steven Adams right now. He's just going to get all the offensive rebounds from from uh well they're not even going to be offensive rebounds because they're going to go in. But yep, I've got Kevin Martin, Karan Butler, and Steven Adams out there now. Setting a whole lot of screens, that's for sure. <laughs> that's I'll, right. I'll go with the other big name I guess you were alluding to, and that's Serge Ibaka. Serge. Serge it's actually not the one I was thinking of, but I should have been thinking of him. I really only wrote like super obscure names down. Oh, really? I love that. All right. You have two more picks, or one here, back to me, and then back to you. Okay. Honestly, um, I do a six man with the most obscure person possible. Last picks. I need a point guard here, and I've got a few options. Eric Maynard's off the board. I have to cross him out. Um, I'm gonna go Kevin Ollie. Ooh, as my point <laughs> the guard, UConn man. Yeah, Kevin Ollie. Uh, an original mentor to Kevin Durant. Um, yeah, obviously, uh. Coached at coached at UConn. I don't know if he's still there now, but I talked to him a, a year ago, and he was at Overtime Elite. Um, I, I should have done my background research on where some of these guys are now, but yeah, Kev, Kevin Ollie was like you know one of the original vets, right? That uh, were just on just just around to uh, to make sure the young guys were doing the right things. I will go with another one, which I don't know if this is obscure. He played on the Thunder for a couple of years, but I don't know that he's necessarily associated with them anymore. But I always loved his game. That's Jeremy Grant. Love Jeremy Grant. That's a Grant. good pick. And let's hear what is your last pick of your five? If you'd like, we can do a six man just so we can pull something I, completely obscure out. I, I would like to do a sixth man. Um I'm I'm seeing what I need here positionally. I'm getting way too into this. Um hmm. I think you need a three or a four here. You know what? I'm just adding another shooter. I'm going Daquan Cook. I thought it was going to be Anthony Morrow for a very long time. It was just going to be five shooters. No one to pass to the guys. It's just pull yeah. up everything. I'm, I'm going Daquan Cook. Kevin Ollie's going to spread it out to these guys. Adams Adams banging down low. I like my squad. Well, I'll give you the six-man pick to start since I get the very first overall pick, and then I'll do my six-man pick. What is your last pick of the draft here? Let's get it. As weird as possible here. I have so many good names. Um, I'm going Grant Jarrett. Grant Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Grant Jarrett as my sixth man. Another shooter. 
I was a big Grant Jarrett believer for some reason. I have so many options here. I'll just kind of talk through them out loud since I'm the one with the last pick. I've got Nate Robinson in consideration. Sean Livingston. um, BJ Mullins. I think it's going to be BJ Mullins. I think that's about (laughs) as obscure as it gets. That's good. That's good. Love doing these drafts with you, Joe. It's always a fun time. We'll have it uh, on tonight. Can I uh, rattle off a few of my yes. also rans? Um, Kyle Weaver, Royale Ivy, Daniel Orton. Try to find a place for for the former Bishop McGinnis man. Um, Steve Novak. I like shooters. Put Ish Smith on there. Ish Smith. Ish Smith. He's played for about every team in the NBA. So uh, why not put him on my All Thunder team? Didn't have Randy Foy. I think Sebastian Telfair had like a, I, I a thought, cup of coffee here. I, I thought about Randy Foy. Um, it's so weird looking back. Like Grant Jarrett seemed like he was a he took up too much brain space of mine to have only played in in five games for the Thunder. Um, and he shot. Uh, oh boy, you know what Grant Jarrett was from from three. 12%. It's, it's a little high, Michael. It's a little high. 7.7%. He was one of, thir- one of 13. <laughs> I almost guessed zero, but I had a little bit more faith in him. But to recap oh, the draft, boy. I had Eric Maynard, Alex Abrinas, Jeff Green, Jeremy Grant, Serge Ibaka, and a sixth man of BJ Mullins. On the other end, Joe had Kevin Ollie, Karan Butler, Kevin Martin, Daquan Cook, Steven Adams, and Grant Jarrett. This is not about who can win a seven-game series. This is just who's more fun to see out there on the list where you see it like a headline at a concert, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. There's no loser with these two teams. No, the only losers is anybody who um, is uninterested in some of these random guys out here. We didn't get into the um, Robert Swifts of the world and other guys like that, but Always love talking some old it, uh, basketball. It looks like your your good friend BJ Byron BJ Mullins is still playing professional basketball. By the way, really? Um, yes, he is a he is a member of the New Taipei Kings. In um, yeah, and I, I don't know what the league is called, but I, I guess in Taiwan. So, thirty um, four year old big man. Yeah, he was the guy I- after Greg Oden at Ohio State. I remember he was a a center the Thunder had their eye on, and there were some rumors they were going to draft him. And I was like, kid, didn't think that he should be drafted by the Thunder. I wanted them to get Dewan Blair, who had like oatmeal for knees out of Pittsburgh. Do you remember Dewan Blair? Oh, yeah. I remember Dewan Blair. I remember the Thunder uh, hoodwinked me. They got me because they picked Roddy Beauvoir. And I was like, oh, well, at least they didn't take BJ Mullins. And it was one of those things where immediately the Thunder traded Roddy Beauvoir to um, the uh, Mavericks with an additional pick to get BJ Mullins and get their man. Um, last thing on BJ Mullins. So this league is called the P League Plus. It's not even like the the main league in in China. It's a it's a six team league, uh, exclusively in, in Taiwan. So um, I would hope that. That our good friend Mr. Mullins is just dominating play over there. That's that's an elite league. I mean, if it's only six <laughs> teams, that's not you're not getting there that super easily. I don't know how many Thunder guys would be in there. That's right. The talent pool. I I mean, some guys are gonna have to get cut. It's shallow, but like the, the high <laughs> the highs are high. 
But Joe, thanks for coming on with me. Do you have anything else to plug before we get out of here? I know we have a really fun game tonight as the Thunder look to uh, rise up in the standings once again against the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, so um, I hope this ends up being a good thing to plug, but I am heading to Toronto tomorrow and hoping to hoping to have a cool story about Shay, sort of where he grew up in Hamilton, Ontario, which is about 40 miles south of Toronto. Hopefully we'll be going there, meeting with some people, and uh, hopefully we'll have some good stories to share. So TBD on that. And um, now I kind of have to since I said it. So looking forward to your selfie on uh, courtside with Drake. That's what I'm looking forward to. Hey, me and Drake once watched a basketball game together in Oklahoma City. So might as well do it in Toronto. Yeah. You introduce yourself that way. Hey, Joe, we watched a, a basketball game together one time. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, Joe, it's been fun. Glad we can do these drafts. I know you love those, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening today. Make sure to like, subscribe, um, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow our social medias at ThunderbudPod on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back again on Friday.